You're listening to DNA Info's Upper West Side podcast, which delves deeper into the lives and experiences of Upper West Siders. I'm Emily Frost. I'm talking with Upper West Siders and brothers Bruce and Stephen Stark, who own the longtime local hardware store Beacon Paint and Hardware on Amsterdam Avenue near West 77th Street. So I want to start out with the 116th anniversary that you're celebrating this year. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So how did you get to 116 years? What's the story behind that? Well, Beacon Paint was founded in 1900. Mm -hmm. And in 1971, the original family sold it to our father, uh, our grandfather, who also had a paint store in New York City, knew the original family. Appropriately enough, the original family, the owner, in 1900, lived on Broadway and 98th Street. His sons lived on 79th and Amsterdam. And Stephen and I are both Upper West Siders also. So we kept it in the family, in a sense. Yeah. And my father's had it now since 1971, and we've just been here the whole time. And the store, when it was founded 116 years ago, was at this location? No, actually it was across the street on the west side of the avenue, and in 1940, this used to be a grocery store at A&P, they moved out, and we came across the street. The back of the store where we are now is where they kept the, the A&P kept the horse and buggy, to make milk deliveries. There was a man who came into the store who used to live on 78th Street who told me all this. He was the box boy there. I have very accurate information about the, what happened. And your father, you said he was involved in paint, but what made him want to get involved in the hardware business? Uh, paint and hardware are just a natural extension of each other. So it was Originally, this was a paint and wallpaper store with no hardware and many art supplies. The, uh, up until the early 70s, the Upper West Side was artists. It was a phenomenal art store. And when did you two get involved? You said you took over from your dad at some point. I came in when I was 14, which was 1971. The first summer that I could work here, I did, and I've been here ever since. I came in, I guess, around the same time. 15 years ago, I came here full-time. I was previously a journalist, and I, I left that career and came here. Was that a hard decision for you? It, yes, it was, and it was a difficult transition. But after about six months, I got used to it, and you know, I have never looked back. I never missed journalism at all. Do any of the same skills extend to how you engage with people? Not so much in the store, but when I go out on sales calls, especially cold calls, it's not unlike when you had to go to somebody's house and ask them for an interview. Sometimes it was all it was bad news. It was uh, hi, I know. Uh, your son or daughter just got killed in a car accident. Would you have a minute to talk and give me a photo mm-hmm. and make it fast? I'm on, on a deadline. Uh, if I could do that, I could go to somebody and, at worst, get a no for trying to sell them something. Yeah. Uh, that seems rather easy in retrospect. So what's a typical day for you, Stephen? There's no typical day. Okay. <laughs> Every uh, day is there different. There are a lot of incoming requests for pricing from our... Uh, institutional accounts. We serve a lot of hotels here in the city. Uh, we're often on the. I'm often on the counter doing sales work or checking merchandise in or getting deliveries out and putting together price quotes, putting together orders, uh, searching the internet or with my suppliers for various items that we don't have mm-hmm. at our fingertips. Well, uh, I didn't know you worked with hotels. What is what does that involve? Well, we work with the directors of engineering at. At about 50 hotels here in the city, from budget properties, boutique hotels, 
four and five star properties and we sell them everything from paint to the hardware to odds odds and ends you know weird items uh, uh, thank goodness for the internet because prior to that I don't know how I would have found hit 90% of these items sometimes I'm armed only with a photograph and I have to try to track it down uh, I'll often take pictures with my cell phone at a location or they will the people will email me can you find this they don't have any other information Hi. Try I just to try have to, like one picture I have to try to figure out what it is through repetition I've gotten really good at it so you're kind of like a paint detective a uh, I, yeah sort of uh, and it's very rare that I say I just can't get that or it it may be simply that it's so much trouble and the payoff isn't there the time to invest but I make the effort I don't like just saying no I can't do that I never throw my hands up and say no, I can't get that because what can't you get really so you like the hunt yes and Bruce what about you is your well, day different when, when I did what he did before the internet, we had maybe two suppliers, and if those two didn't have it, we couldn't get it. There was no access to going finding something that we didn't carry. So in that sense, my job was quite easy. As far as my normal day... Is it yes day, or no? Yeah, exactly. I'm usually here between 6.30 and 7. Wow, and that's early. I run the day-to-day -day, day -day operations, and I'm on the counter most of the day helping people or just overseeing everything. So in terms of your customers, do you have a lot of the same customers? Yes, yeah. something that we always yeah. prided ourselves on. I'd always said when I was a kid that, you know, Amsterdam Avenue wasn't a great street. You didn't know about it. It wasn't like um, 86th Street. Oh, that's where it is, or 72nd or 79th. It wasn't a cross street. Mm -hmm. It didn't have a good name, and you didn't want to be on Amsterdam for the most part back in those days. But I always felt that if we get the customer to the store once, we could have them for life. And we have lifers. Uh, we have people that I know from back in the early 70s still coming in here and shopping. Loyal customers, friends that are always here. And we try to encourage newer people to be loyal customers. And so Amsterdam back in the day, 70s, 80s, why was yeah. it a place that nobody wanted to well, come? The whole, upper, the whole the entire Upper West Side was not a desirable place. There were many uh, SROs and flop houses, um, CD bars, things like that. It wasn't a great neighborhood. Even when we got here, our next-door neighbors, two places, one, a uh, depot for the sanitation workers, and at lunch hours, garbage trucks would be triple parked on Amsterdam. They'd be there for the entire lunch hour, and then the guys would get back in there and go, and then they'd come back later on and change their clothes. <laughs> that wouldn't last five minutes today. Even when uh, if a garbage truck pulls up and the guy goes to the cross street to get a bagel, I'm watching, wondering when he's going to leave. You know, so it's kind of a, a little different area. Early 70s, there was a place next door to us that was called Hairdos by Doc. There was also a pillow store there. And they didn't do anybody's hairs. It was just a hangout for pimps. So it was kind of a front. It was a front. They just hung out there, and they happened to be the nicest neighbors we ever had. Every time we needed a parking spot, they pulled their car out. They never had a crosswood with each other. They just hung out there and relaxed, and they were friendly people, but... Today, I don't think you would see that on the street. No, and so you had to you had to draw them in, pass the garbage, and pass the pigs. Exactly. How exactly. did you do Is that? It? We just always preached customer service. Always helped people. You come in the store, you're going to be asked, can I help you? And we had product knowledge, and we're honest. 
So we're proud of those things, and that's all, the way it's always been. You talked about you have some newer customers now. Mm -hmm. Who are these new customers? Younger people, family people. They know more things from the internet. Now that our suppliers even are on the internet, they can find out products before we can sometimes. It's embarrassing and annoying. I complained to them all the time, but there was a time where we had a month's knowledge of something before it came out onto the market. Now people come in, do you have this item? And they've already got the information because they're scouring the internet looking for things. So people are more uh, product savvy. Mm -hmm. Between, like, say, the 80s and 90s and now, are there things that you never anticipated that you would be stocking that customers are asking for? In the early 90s, we started selling air conditioners. In the 1980s, we'd never have thought of that. Um, every year, we're out on the Amsterdam Avenue Street Festival. Mm -hmm. There was a time where we never wanted to do that because we thought we're a paint store. No one's going to buy paint at a street fair. They're going for the food. They're going for this or that. And who's going to carry the paint? But once we had air conditioners and fans and housewares and hardware and tools, we put everything on display. And it's a whole different world. That was Steve's idea. And he ran with it. And we did great with it. And it's an excellent idea. There is a, a DIY, a do-it-yourself movement afoot that's been going for a little while now. Has that helped your business? Oh, sure. How, how buying, so? They, people are buying things, although we also have a lot of people who have contractors do the work now. Mm. There was a time when DIY was much bigger. Really? When was that? Maybe in the 80s, uh -huh. maybe the 90s, but now I see more people who have someone to do it for them. Yeah, I remember Maybe. we used to rent certain tools, tools like a lot. floor sander would go wow. out frequently and we'd have to explain to the guy or woman, you know, mm -hmm. here's how you do it, and it would go out frequently. We had hardly three ever, floor sanders at one yeah, time. Hardly ever rented anymore because, yeah. you know, someone says, well, I'm not going to do that. I'll get somebody else to do it for me. So you're well, dealing a lot with contractors who come in? We deal with some contractors. Supers do the work for people these days a lot, handymen in the buildings. Do you think there are more owners on the Upper West Side now than renters? Oh, sure. And how has that affected things? They have more disposable income, but then again, they also, well, instead of doing it themselves, they might hire the contractor who's going to buy it elsewhere. We don't have a chance there sometimes. Where are those contractors going? They may come in from Queens or uh, Jersey or someplace else where they have a place near where they live. Right. And they're used to buying it out there. Some of them go to uh, the big boxes. Since you brought up the big boxes, you know, now we have Lowe's and Lincoln Square. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that when you first heard it was going in? Versus, you know, it's been there for a little while now, so maybe you could talk about what, what the expectation was versus reality. We weren't happy with it, but um, I've had a couple people tell me that every time they've been in there, it's been empty. I know one person who says, they're not going to be here in a few years. You guys will be here, but they won't be here. I have to think of a big, giant, Lowe's is the number two or number three retail in the country. Not everybody knows how to handle New York. We're proud we do. We can handle it. They may have a, a bit more they could chew there. I hope so. That's maybe a pipe dream, but we've been here 116 years. Hopefully we'll be here another 116 years. Have you noticed any difference in sales, or has anybody come in and said, oh, I tried to find this at Lowe's and I couldn't, or? We've had a few people who have said they're going to try Lowe's with something we didn't have. I've seen a couple people come in with bags, but not a lot of people. Only a, a, a handful, maybe, you know, three or four people have had shopping bags from Lowe's, which is a, a happy surprise, <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> so it um, hasn't been a catastrophe It hasn't at been all. a catastrophe there. 
Do you think part of that is that people on the Upper West Side like to stick to their, you know, 10 block range? And very so the much. people living in the people 70s and are 80s very, are not going to go to 60. 80. I think the upper people on the Upper West Side are very loyal and they're very much in favor of the small store. But somebody's going to those big stores and that's taking business away from us. So you're trying to rope in the newer people that maybe don't have that history. We would love to, yes. <laughs> yes, we've got to introduce ourselves to newer people every day. I noticed on the outside of your store, you're really representing the, the history, the 116 yeah. years. Why do you think that's important that people recognize that? Because it's more rare than ever. That's the main reason. To, be, to, to have a business around that long is something to celebrate. And with a lot of stores having gone out, we're still here. Were there stores that left that particularly made you sad? A number of them. Uh, we were very friendly with the guys who were in the deli on the corner, the mm -hmm. pizza places that are gone. Where do you get a good slice of pizza on the Upper West Side now? And all the small stores. Used to be a shoe repair guy half a block up the road. Where do you go to get certain things? Uh, it's not easy to find things. All the big stores are coming in, or these chains, uh, salad bars all over the place. <laughs> Do you guys own this building? How is it that you don't have that problem of the, the suddenly skyrocketing rent? Well, we do. Um, the rent is probably, I have to say it's fair. Our landlord, the Brusco family, we get along very well with them. We've dealt with them for years as customers before they owned this building. And now they gave us a new five-year lease. Thanks to them, we're here. And it was a fair rate. I can't complain one single bit, and neither could anybody else who looked at numbers for anything around here. Had we bought the building, things would have been a lot different. But when my father bought the store in 19... Our father bought it in 1971. The landlord wanted to sell us the store, and the highest rent was $50 an apartment. Everything else was $25 and even some $10 apartment. And two years later, the oil crisis exploded. That would have been everything. So it was a good thing at that time that we didn't buy. No one saw what would, the, the changes that were coming. Yeah. Even the guys who have had the buildings for so many years, nobody saw this. Nobody was buying in anticipation of that happening. People, a lot of uh, building owners on the Upper West Side bought to have a building, to own property. Mm -hmm. Not because in 20 years it's going to be valuable, it's going to be uh, worth millions. <laughs> they didn't see that coming. You could have bought a brown, any brownstone on the Upper West Side for five or $10,000. And now they go for five or $10 million. But nobody said, yeah, let's go get it. Right. Let's go pick up a half dozen. Uh, investment, yeah. That was not seen. It was just, well, let's own rather than rent. Yeah. Not invest and live somewhere else. I asked my personal landlord some years ago, I said, did you see this coming? And did he goes, nobody saw it coming. It was not coming. It was not on its way. He says, now you look for the next coming up and coming neighborhood. Back then he says, no, oh, we just bought it to have property and, and you know, have a place to live for our, for our family. That was it. What do you think the city could be doing better to help mom and pops? Are there policy changes that you would like to see? Rent control. My landlord will hit me for that one, but a rent control, or at least a, um, not necessarily control, but a, uh, a certain amount mm -hmm. of a limit mm -hmm. that it could be done. Uh, now you have to have three, four months security. You have to have a lot of money to invest just to begin with. But if there's some sort of a limit, some sort of an arbitration panel, something to help the merchant stay, that's going to be helpful. Some sort of limit to the increase, like not a 300% increase. Exactly. Something like that would be an answer. It certainly has to be fair to landlords so they get what they have to have. But, uh, yeah, that would keep in terms of keeping a small store. So touching on another issue related to Amsterdam Avenue, the 
the bike lane. It was approved, but how do you guys feel about that? The uh, protected bike lane would run right past your store. The problem is that it takes away another lane of traffic. If my, my truck has to be on the other side of the street to load up or to take something off a delivery truck, it takes that much longer to walk back and forth. They have to watch out for the bicycles, they have to watch out for people, they have to wait for the traffic to change. All that takes time. Less lanes of traffic, it's going to take longer to get a delivery to you. You may not even be able to get it the same day or the next day, and that slows up everything. It hurts sales because now people are going to maybe get it elsewhere close to where they are. And the minute one guy double parks or there's an accident, you're down to one lane of traffic. You see it on Columbus all the time. Mm -hmm. 7 o'clock in the morning, one lane of traffic when people are getting to work. But it's just so difficult. Another street would be a better street. This is a major thoroughfare for trucks and buses. Mm -hmm. And now you're just limiting the amount of traffic that's going to get through. And they, How many deliveries do you, do you get? Do you get a delivery a day? We get anywhere from two to four deliveries a day. So what are, what are people mainly bringing? Is that paint? Paint, paint supplies. Uh, another supplier bring in hardware, another one will bring in light bulbs, another one will bring in housewares. And each one of them can only put so much on a hand truck and go back and forth and back and forth. And that'll take up more time and someone's going to sooner or later have to pay for that. So the fact that you're on the east side, are, that's a little bit more helpful? Yes, because the bike lane's going to be on the west side. You know, just stepping into the road for a second you got to be so vigilant because a biker can come flying by. I've been a victim of that. Granted, I haven't always paid attention when I've stepped into the bike lane, but I've learned when I almost got hit, I'd better watch. And it's going to be very dangerous for people. Let's talk about the recent snowstorm and how snowstorms affect your business. <laughs> you guys are uh, sell this, this classic sled combination, <laughs> right? What, what happens here when it snows and well, one, the city shut down? Uh, we, we sell, love it. We love it. It's a, it's excellent for business. We is have, it? Why is that? It's great. We sell calcium chloride, and we sell shovels and gloves and mops and everything that is so, is associated with weather-related sales. The more snow, <laughs> the better it is. Granted, we have to shovel and we get our car stuck, mm -hmm. but we supply anyone who needs it. Uh, the sleds, uh, we started a number of years ago. We had a mixing bucket that contractors would use to mix plaster. But it's also great for a four or five-year-old kid to sit in. And there was a woman who came in. The family had just moved in to New York City. And it was the end of March. It was a snowstorm that day. Her husband went to work and said, you get the kids in New York City in the snow. And she happened to live on 80th Street. They came in here. And she didn't know anything or anywhere to go or what to do. And what are you going to do with the kids on a day like that? The TV wasn't even set up in their home. And I put together the bucket. I drilled some holes in the side and put a rope on there for her to pull the kid. He's in his early 20s now and we're still friendly. And we became instant friends that day. And all she did was drag him from here to 80th Street. Didn't have to find the hill. Didn't have to find the park. that She didn't know where Central Park was that day. Pulled him along the street. He had the time of his life. As I said, we've been friends ever since. Only a matter of time before he brings his own kid in yep. here. Hopefully, you know. Set up the sled. And, and now we do it for other people that we specifically do you have sleds? Nope, we got something better if you got a small kid. We have had sleds sometimes and yeah. they come and go. So you guys stock up well ahead of a storm? We try to. Try to ca sometimes. catch we'll it right. How, how do you weather. gauge it? We're 
every minute we're watching the news and in the the weather reports and seeing what's going to happen. So you're glued to the weather. There, there was a couple, three years ago, there was a major storm and we ran out of snow melt so quickly that I think it was he got in the truck and drove, th- drove in this blizzard wow. to Long Island to our supplier's warehouse and took another, uh, they call a pallet of, of the snow melt, maybe 50 bags. And while he was coming back, I was getting orders over the phone from some hotels. Mm-hmm. So on the way back, instead of coming straight here, he would drop 10 bags here and 10 bags there. And it was pretty crazy. And so it was worth that worth that oh, dangerous worth trip yes. to Long Island. Yes. Yeah. So the la- the recent storm, you guys did well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's interesting. You know, another storm. Some, yeah. You know, one, more, one or two more storms would be very nice for yeah. business. And sometimes it's just the threat, and that's good enough that's good, uh, yeah. to get right. the retail and the, and the hotel customers or the property management companies to say, we, we, we need some. And then a hot summer. That, that helps. With Steve, and Steve's been building a weather machine in his home, <laughs> trying to uh, alter the weather. <laughs> it's not going so well. Uh, I think Can't it's get on out of the apartment. The, the, heat keep, the earth keeps warming up, and I, I didn't yeah. put a reverse button oh, on it. So, uh. <laughs> so you guys are very community-oriented. You do yeah. a lot of community mm-hmm. service. Can you tell me about that? We love the community. I think the community loves us. We live in the community. Our pride and joy is a walkathon that we've done for now. This will be the 15th year that we do it. It's a walk that we do at night. Uh, this will be the fifth year in a row that we're doing it for the benefit of Guiding Eyes for the Blind. And it'll be um, at Columbus and 77th Street inside the schoolyard, I think May 2nd. And we invite everybody from the neighborhood. And we take a little walk from Columbus and 77th into Central Park, down to 67th Street and back. We've had a uh, our borough president, Gail Brewer, has been there. Helen Rosenthal, the councilwoman. Linda Rosenthal, the assemblywoman, has been there. Uh, on occasion, Scott Stringer, the controller, has come. We get the police to block traffic for us, to walk across the street. Why the Guiding Light organization? The Guiding Eyes for the Blind provides guide dogs to blind people. at absolutely no tar- charge to them. And our sister was blind, and she had two guide dogs from them. And it was always something that was very near and dear to us. A lot of the neighborhood businesses, Levain Bakery, Chirping Chicken, Pizzeria Uno, um, Amsterdam Deli, right on the corner of 79th and Amsterdam, they all donate food for us. Uh, TD Bank gives us um, very nice gift bags. So we also do a lot for the school. We For PS87? PS80, not just PS87, but every school around that asks. Every year for the school auction, we donate what we call the our bucket of tools, which is a bucket with a whole lot of different tools in there that people love. Either guys want to buy for themselves, or sometimes women buy for the husbands, or sometimes the husbands buy for their wives, and it's been a hot item. Everybody loves it. I was at one auction for the computer school, and there was a... Uh, husband and wife there, and he said, honey, look, they've got the bucket again. She says, you, but you bought it last year. He goes, yes, but this is a newer model. <laughs> I've got at least four schools that we've already promised to. Um, and when you talk about the community, we yeah. also, uh, we've always been uh, kid and dog friendly. Right. Um, and, you know, many people in this neighborhood have children. We give out balloons to the kids. As I said, we've always been friendly to dogs, but especially when I got my dog uh, just about Almost 12 years ago, I didn't want to leave it at home all day, and my brother said, so bring it here. So she's been coming here since she was two months old, and she's an attraction. People come in to say hi to her, 
Uh, and this is Brew. This is Brew, my my black lab. Brew named after Bruce. Bruce. <laughs> and people come in just to say hi to her. They bring their dogs in. They don't even need. They don't even buy anything. Sometimes the dogs bring them here. Uh, it's their daily. The morning stop. The daily stop. Kids come in. They used to have a, be a kid who every day before school had to come in and say hi to Brew. My mother's like, "Come on, we have to go now. You're going to be late." And every day had a hug. Gotta make brew. that stop. Yeah. Somebody else said it was the only way. They get the kid out out on time. If you get if you get out of bed now and get ready, we'll go and say hello to Brew. Otherwise, you don't. He, and the father told me, he says, "Thank God for Brew." And we have a bucket, a never empty bucket of treats. So this uh, is just the friendliest lab. I'm, she is. I'm she's sitting lo- next to her. She's very lay, sweet. She'll lay down and out out there, and that's her like. She's got many perches here. In fact, I'm sitting in her chair. We tried to put duct tape on it where it was ripping. She wouldn't sit on it for three days. We took off the tape. She got back on it. Sometimes she'll be laying there, and all of a sudden I'll hear the tail go crazy, and it's some little kid come in to say hi to her. Mm-hmm. And That's really they, nice. They'll, like, she'll just lay there like this, like, yeah, just keep petting me. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Well, have there been any crazy moments at the store, you know, mm-hmm. since 1971? No robberies? No... Uh... Thank God, no. We were broken into at night twice in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. There was a gang that seemed to hit almost every other store. Once they were arrested and caught, we've had nothing. I think because of the size of our store and that we have different aisles that somebody could be, mm-hmm. if you come in, you don't know where somebody could be. We have cameras here in the office, so somebody could be up in the room. They may not want to come in here. A, yeah. Thank God. We're lucky like that. It's a good neighborhood. We're lucky like that, too. You know, on an Similar but different topic. I remember on the 9-11, a number of uh, people were coming in for things that they could donate for the cleanup efforts. Yeah. Masks and gloves and what have you. Uh, but I do remember in particular a firefighter from uh, Ladder 25 on West 77th Street coming in. And I think this was still the day of, still going on. And we just gave him every like disposable dust mask. We, Here, take it, go. I'm pretty sure that guy actually lost his life that day. I don't remember his name, but I could picture him. Yeah. So you're helping to keep this a family, a community, neighborhood. Yes. I think we do a pretty good job of it. What are your hopes for the neighborhood and the store? We hope to continue for another 116 years. Uh, We just re-signed the new lease for five more years. Mm -hmm. And... Then we'll look for another five after that and keep on going um, until we're at that age. We will have to look to somebody else. Yeah. We'll worry about that then, though. But we hope to be here for a long time. So you two aren't looking at successors anytime soon? Not right now. We don't have any siblings to take over, so we're going to have to find somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, or not siblings, but any children. Mm-hmm. So no family members are coming in. As the previous owners found us, I'm sure we'll find somebody. It sounds like it won't be for a while. Hopefully not for another 20 years or so. A lot of people have expressed those sentiments to us. Really? If they see a store go out, they'll say, like, oh, thank God you're still here, or please tell me you're not going anywhere. And they really it do. It gives people a lot of anxiety. Yes, it does. Yeah. Steve came, went to a community board meeting last month. Yeah, it was at just, the, the same one you were at. Just by announcing who he was and where he was from... He got a round of applause. You and people, you know, yeah, said, right. we'll be contained. We've been here in 16 years, and people were, were applauding. Yes. Which is very nice to hear. Well, thanks for talking with me. Our pleasure. pleasure. Thank pleasure. you. 
We want to hear your thoughts on Beacon Paint and Hardware and on mom and pops in the neighborhood. You can contact me, Emily Frost, on Twitter at efrost1, or you can email me at efrost at dnainfo.com. You can also join the conversation online on neighborhoodsquare.com or on our Facebook page.